We're blowing the whistle on a 46-year-old movie plot, so mm. consider yourself warned. Welcome to Syndication, the only podcast brave enough to stand up to the system corruption of the movie industry. Disguises, <laughs> graphs, and facial hair. This week, we're discussing the 1973 biographical classic, Serpico. Whoa. I am Tyler Young, your host, and I'm hey, with Tyler. two other people. Yeah, mm. my name's Devin, and... I'm Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey. Hey, Matt, what's your last name? Serpico. Your last name is Serpico? Yeah, it's a weird coincidence. We've That's known each crazy. Other for so long, I never knew yeah. that. Yeah, I never bothered. I'm just to finding ask. out now. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't think of a good one this week, so we're just going. With <laughs> so Serpico. we're just going with the title, just Serpico. We couldn't think of a good one for anything this week, apparently. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, did you pick for a drink? Uh, yeah. Well, week? I did pick a drink. Um, and it's what was it called? Pink Police. Yeah. Pink Police. Uh, for the listeners at home, this is a bottle of beer. 12 ounces of vodka and 12 ounces of pink lemonade just all together. It's it, interesting. It it's, tastes about like you would expect those three things put into a blender to taste. They all have their like, own presence in the drink individually. And they're fighting each other <laughs> yeah. for the spotlight. <laughs> sort of like different factions of police because in New York City. Yeah. Oh. Mm. All vying for their piece of the pie. Mm. That it's being a, their taste bud palate. Yeah, it's it's like uh, you know, they they coexist, but it's an unhappy alliance. Mm. There's some mm. violence, you know. Maybe they look the wrong way when vodka lets lemonade get shot behind some drug deal or something. <laughs> I'm really, I keep walking it out. No, I want to see uh, where this joke goes. <laughs> no, I, I, it's not a joke, Tyler. This is a serious mm. thing. Police corruption is no joke, nor is alcohol corruption. This sounds like your amazing theory of how, um, what was the movie? Chinatown is very Lovecraftian. First off, <laughs> it was. Mm-hmm. Second of all, because you guys let me do the final descriptions, it officially says in our description of Chinatown that we discuss the very accurate Lovecraftian themes. Uh, wow. Superseded. I love that they're like editorial pieces for you. Just the descriptions for the episode. Nobody read the descriptions. They're inaccurate. I don't think anybody does. Two thirds of the show didn't sign off on them, but uh, that's what they are. So <laughs> that's what we're going with. Uh, so I picked this movie for for this week. Why Why you do that? Well, you can kind of, we kind of talked about it in the last episode because mm. that's why I picked it. We watched uh, Rushmore mm-hmm. and in Rushmore, there's an amazing scene uh, where Max Fisher, the main character, is doing a high school version of Serpico. And I was like, oh, that's a great movie to watch. I've never seen it. I've heard a million things from it. I've heard the name a hundred times. Uh, one of my favorite episodes of It's Always Sunny is uh, has Charlie <laughs> running around as, as Serpico uh, doing undercover bullshit. And uh, All right, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> <laughs> Feast years on this spin doctor's mix. <laughs> And so, yeah, that's why I picked it and turned out to be a great pick. I love it. Speaking of which, by the way, that I went back and watched the scene from uh, the Serpico scene from uh, Rushmore again. I wanted to ask, do you remember which scene it was? So 
it's not really a scene that exists in the movie oh because i didn't it didn't i didn't recall it i guess when i was watching the movie which is why i was wondering if it was actually in there no well kind of not really it's so it's a weird version it's like max's highly stylized blown up version of what Servico was like to him because the scene's not in it so in the scene in in rushmore there uh it's the scene in the movie where they're trying to convince Serpico to testify. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I won't do it. He's like, you know what? And he like gets up. He's like, I'm going to go out and put a dime in the meter. And they stop him. Like, hey, hey you uh, put a dime in the meter for Serpico. Like, that's in the movie. That actually happens. But Serpico's dressed as a priest in Max's version, which doesn't <laughs> happen. He's got, he's, he's already been shot in the face. So he's got like a, a bandage over his eye, like under his eye. Uh, okay. The, there are people dressed as nuns in the room, and they're also they're like on a, uh, like a, a sting or or what what's it called um, stakeout. They're on a stakeout, yeah. and they're watching a train station across the street, <laughs> and the big train pulls up, and they're like, "All right, we got Snowman. He's on the L train. Take the shot!" And they all start like firing <laughs> at the train. Like that never happens. There's no nuns. There's no uh, priest costume. There's no shootout. <laughs> why would they? Why would they change it so much? Well, because it's Max's overblown version. It, it it plays into how grandiose everything mm. that Max does and is. So he took Serpico and had to like beef it up to the max. With oh, oh. <laughs> I, oh. that was alright. I'm not upset. <laughs> you hear that? It's the sound of me patting myself on the back. He's actually patting himself on the back. Yeah, that's what made the sound. <laughs> I'm a part-time foley artist, so. Mm. Getting the practice in when I can. So I, I normally I try to do a little bit of research into a film uh, to help you out on the factoids front. Mm-hmm. I did absolutely no research on this movie this week. Is this I, is this a real movie or a real story? It is a yeah. real movie. It, it is. Exists. It is. It definitely exists because I watched it. We didn't have a shared hallucination. <laughs> Filmed mm. and produced and distributed. But it, it is based on real events, right? So there's a real Frank Serpico. Right. Um, the book is a biography, and then the movie is based on the book. Right. Um, Al Pacino actually like sat down and hung out with Frank Serpico and got notes from him. And in fact, actually, my uh, a really great quote from Frank Serpico himself. Uh, Al Pacino's like, "So why why did you why did you do it? Like why did you stand up and 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 go against the grain and put yourself out there like that for for this?" And he's like. Well, Al, I don't know. Uh, I feel like I did it because if I didn't, who would I be when I listened to a piece of music? Being like, I couldn't, I couldn't like listen to to music. I couldn't watch movies, and I couldn't be like the hero of these stories if I just, if I'm not true to myself and I'm not being the righteous person that we all should be. I couldn't listen to that kind of stuff and be like, yeah, and connect to it without being a hypocrite. Hmm. He really was the only good cop in this town. <laughs> He was. <laughs> there um, were some other good ones. Because yeah. <laughs> okay. that was like, I kind of took away from it. Um, I I didn't, it wasn't a bad movie, but I didn't particularly respond to it in any significant way. Oh, really? Yeah. Just didn't, it was like inert, like did nothing for me. I don't know why I assumed you liked it. I had that in my head for some reason. No, I, I go out of my way not to talk to you guys about my reactions so that I can do this on the podcast. <laughs> so I'm surprised. <laughs> Aghast. <laughs> um yeah, and 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 it it um I think it was fine, right? Like every part about it was unobjectionable. It just kind of seemed like 
stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Um, well, speaking of stuff, what like what's the general plot then of the movie? Just so we can get it out of the way. And, well, you're the plot guy. Uh, let's see if I can do it re- like real, real quick and All concise right. this time. Thirty yeah. seconds. All right, you got and it. Go. Man in the late '60s, early '70s. Uh, Frank Serpico in New York. He's a police officer. Uh, becomes a plainclothes officer after a while and realizes there is a huge web of corruption in the police force and decides to fight against it by himself uh, at the expense of his own safety, hmm. the expense of any kind of like friendships within within the police force or any kind of backup. Uh, and he's not, he fights and fights and fights and is not getting any help along the way, keeps getting transferred, keeps finding more corruption. It, it toils on him mentally. His wife uh, or his girlfriend leaves him. And then uh, eventually he gets a break. He goes to the Times, and uh, then uh, that's pretty much it. Like he, he goes to the Times, it becomes like a widespread public thing. So then the police forces kind of forced to set up a commission to look into corruption in New York, and he testifies at the end finally after lots of coercion. So basically, like shines a light on it, um, starts up new policies, and gets the uh, police force actually. I mean, obviously, there's still a problem today, but um, they're in a much better state than they were. Um, and then he quit. He uh, retired and moved off to Switzerland and still does um, the activist work, hmm. stuff like that. But that's, yeah, that's the movie. Yeah, I just felt like... Um, I nailed it this time, right? No, that was really oh, good. That was really good. good. Hold on. Hey. hey. <laughs> uh, much more yeah, it, today. It didn't fit cleanly into a sort of like driving story that held my attention. It just seemed like a series of things that happened to a protagonist. Like I, the one, the I one that's because qu- it's based off of a real, right. And that's what yeah. I'm saying is like, because it's based off, like there's some stuff that you're just, you, you really think about it. And, and at least I wonder why is it in the film? The first girlfriend, I don't know why she's in the film. Uh, which first girlfriend? Cause wasn't he talking about, because in the like one of the earlier scenes when he goes to visit, I assume his brother at the shoe store. Oh yeah, he's talking about a girl. He's talking about a girl, Marianne. And not, like not I wrote her. that down, and then we never meet Marianne. Right. And then it was Leslie, and then finally Lori. So Lori, I think, was significant to the overall plot and right. theme of the movie, and I understand why she was in there, and I thought she was a good addition. Leslie seemed totally superfluous i don't know why we had to spend time with a character who was going to have no bearing on what happened in the movie well, do you what think was there was Laurie's? a real leslie that's what i'm saying is like she must have been significant to him well what was Lori's contribution to the story like what was her part of it Lori's part was that she pushed him more into the burgeoning like subcultures like hippie or, or counterculture I think right. That was that was Leslie. That was Leslie. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Lori, Lori's purpose was just to show him or to show how much he lost. If if you were writing a fiction piece, right, the girlfriend that he loves and would do anything for, but he's being so consumed by his fight against corruption that he loses the thing he loves the most. So, like, I understand that from a story's per- per- perspective. I don't understand what Leslie contributes. I think that. It's the same thing, basically. Like he doesn't lose anything. He chooses not to pursue a family life because Leslie's like, "Hey, I'm gonna get married right. in like two months, unless you want to get married 
That was a weird conversation. No, I, I, I yeah, I, a little strange. But it was showing that he's like not even entertaining the thought because he doesn't even. He he just immediately was like, "Oh, so am I invited to your wedding to Roy and not me?" And she just kind of like, "Oh," and it's just showing that he's not even considering settling down at all. He's in this fight for life. He, I don't think he was fighting corruption yet at that point, right? Like he hadn't. Oh, he's dedicated seen it. to the job. He's married to the job and not any one person. I don't think that she was incompatible with his job, though. That's like I don't. I, I, you can read it that way, and I think that's a totally valid reading. It's not how I read it. Because he even says it about her. He's like, but aren't you doing dancing? Aren't you a ballet you know, dancer? And like, how could you settle down and get married? You got a whole like life ahead of you that you want to do. And she's like, well, yeah, but it doesn't have to be my entire life. I, I can be married and do this part-time and kind of like cut back. And he can't even process that idea of like, but I'm a cop. That's what I am. That's who I am. It's what I've always wanted to be and what I always will be. Uh, but which I don't I think, think leads into it. Like it like beefs, it, it, it showcases the character, like his driven like nature. Like that's why he's the one standing up and like fighting against his own, you know, personal interests. Well, I, and that's so like in your description of the plot, um, I mean, I don't how I saw the film and I think some of this can be up to interpretation, is that he was never actually looking for a fight against corruption. He just but, wanted to be a good cop. Right. But by not being corrupt, he was sort of against his will, forced into a position. Because he didn't report it, didn't report it, didn't want to do anything about it, kept trying to get transferred someplace clean right. so that he could just do his job. He honestly was not fighting against corruption for most of the film. Like, he was not a crusader. Well, the, I mean, even the first kickback he gets, he immediately brings it up to his superiors and they're like, yeah, do nothing or we'll take it to, you know, we'll, we'll but take that's it still not though. crusading. He's still just like trying to do the right thing in that specific situation. I think he was still under the impression that like, I don't, it even, was just that precinct, you know, or that district. Cause, but even then he's still like, he he's just being the best cop he can and yeah. realizing that in order to do that, he's going to have to. But I don't think he wanted to get wrapped up into like a whole investigation. Like even at the end, he's like, I don't want to testify. I just want this taken care of and I want to like continue to do my job. I just want there to be stop being dirty cops everywhere I go. I actually don't even think he wanted to do the right thing. I think he just didn't want to do the wrong thing. What do you mean by that? That's how I read the entire film. So like, I don't think he wants like until the end, I don't even think he cared that much about cleaning up the police force. I think he just didn't want to be corrupt. I mean, he drives the fucking bag man around the city, right? Like yeah. he is complicit. He is involved. Um, and he doesn't do anything like I always took it that every action that he took was just to try and get himself out of the shit. He didn't want any part of it. And he wanted to just tell people as much as he had to tell them to get him to a position where he could just be a cop. So you think if he could have just not taken money himself and had everyone else just be okay with that, he would have been he would have been fine in that situation. The only not, reason he was starting to report it was because he was getting pressure. Not fine. Like I don't think he liked it. I think I mean, right, like at one point he asks the Catholic um uh captain or whatever, mm-hmm. like 
I, I don't want to report anybody. I don't want to do anything about this. I just want to go someplace clean. Yeah. Right. Like he just wanted to leave it alone and do his job. That's all he wanted. Um, and so like, I, I, I just felt like that entire arc as I saw it was very unclear. Like, I think you're supposed to go from him being like ambivalent about it and just wanting to not be corrupt to him being a crusader. And like, it just didn't work for me. It was just kind of muddled. Well, maybe it's not unclear. Maybe it's just complex. I mean, if it's based on, if it's supposed to be, you know, real life and a real story, you know what I mean? If you were in that kind of situation, it would be kind of vague, you know, right. To know what to do in that scenario. And you'd probably kind of go back and forth a little bit before you're finally like, this is crazy. Everywhere I go, there's corruption. There's nothing I can do to get away from it. I just want to be right. a cop, you know? And Which ultimately, is, that's in, what pushed him to... In some ways, is actually a more interesting story than if he was a white knight, mm-hmm. right? Like the fact that he wanted to just not be involved and not do anything about it. But it was so rampant that there was nowhere in the police force he could get away from it. Yeah. Um. Which was crazy. Everywhere he went, there was something new. Even to the last one, when he went to narcotics, like right off the bat, they're starting to tell him about, he's like, all right, you know, like you came from wherever he was before that. And he's yeah. like, we don't deal with that kind of small change around here. Like we deal with the big money. And I'm like, why are you, why are you, te-? like, you know that he's kind of in the middle of this, well, you it know. Was a, it was a threat. Yeah. yeah, being like, yeah, you whistle, you blew the whistle on people who are getting chicken feed. We're dealing with millions of dollars. We'll fucking kill you. Don't do it again. I you get know? that, but like, also, he was just telling him like parts of the operation like right off the bat. I don't feel like that's a smart move to do. Well, I mean, it was it was part of the plot, right? Like, the brass sent him to narcotics to get him killed because they are yeah. uh, right. historically the most corrupt police uh uh, i don't department what are they called yeah okay Uh, so like i guess my question just comes down to i you know it it is a real life story so i guess a larger question about more than just this movie is like do you guys have any strong opinions on when people adapt real stories how much creative license they have because I felt like I felt like this movie needed some pruning. The story needed some pruning. You thought it was too much like the real story? Yeah. Just too bloated. I, I don't care I don't care about Leslie. She didn't add anything to the story. She may have been significant in his life. Mm-hmm. But like Well, I mean, I, you even said it before you realized you're talking about someone else. She did. To me, I mean, I think she added a lot to the story about showing him like the the counterculture type of people sure. and showing that like you she can was be a cop and an interesting multifaceted person. Well, like so she was part of that transition into like the wacky hats and beard and long hair. Right. You know, yeah. absolutely. Part of and Paco. I, I assume that's why she's in the movie is because she helped Frank Serpico, the man, get into the counterculture and was significant in that way. But Frank Frank Serpico, the character, we could have easily written that transition without the character of Leslie. She was unnecessary. But why? Why would you? Because she was unnecessary. Because it was a character that well, I had to learn things about and invest emotional resources into that ended up being in no way significant to the plot. It provided explanation for why he was the way that he was. You could have gotten that explanation some other way. 
Sure. Well, you well, then, well, why is it? Why could have, but why change it from the true story? Because I think she muddles it. That's what I'm saying. Is like you think it detracted from the film. I do. I felt like the the story was not as streamlined as it could or should have been. Is mm. is is what all that's sort of where I'll put my flag down. I didn't feel that way, but I will also say I don't mind parts in movies that are unnecessary so to speak. I don't mind slice of life films that were really even nothing happens. You know, it's just like, here's a moment in time. There's no real plot or anything like that. So I think because of that, I don't mind. But them. That's, that's a different kind of film. Like we're talking like stylistically, I'm fine with slice of life films, but that's a different kind of film. But you could, this it, is trying to tell a story. Yeah. But this is, it's just a part of that film that happens to just be relatively inconsequential to the overall, overarching plot of the movie i i mean i i appreciate efficient storytelling um and this was inefficient storytelling why does it need to be efficient it's just taking you for a story you're just supposed to enjoy the story (laughs) but i did not enjoy it because she she was pointless that's what i'm saying is like i enjoy the craft of storytelling i enjoy it when people make artistic choices um that are constantly like uh, uh, like tight, you yeah. know what I mean? And like this was not that. And 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 they're adapting a real life story, and I'm sure that the man had some input into it, and mm-hmm. and probably cared about things that uh, you know a screenwriter left to their own devices would not have included. Um, but like that was my issue with it was I was just like it it, it it's not. Um, I've I've had a hard time figuring out like what. Is it, it, it like what is it that the, that the character wants? What is it that I'm supposed to be sort of like? Sure, you know what I mean. It, it felt directionless, sort of rudderless. I get what you're saying. Um, I I didn't think that feel that way personally. I don't know how you felt, Tyler. About I didn't it. feel that at all. Like a lot of these movies that we've seen, I feel the time go by, and I'm like checking, like how much time do we got left? You know, like how much how much longer are we going here? Like. This was a quick two hours, right? It was a really fast two hours. Like I really like an yeah. hour and forty five minutes in, I was like, oh man, how much? How, how, I'm, I'm along for the ride now. Like how much more do we got? Like I was, yeah, I was in it the entire time. Yeah, I actually there was a point uh, prior to the climax where I was worried. I was like, oh no, is it almost over? Like are they going to just like end on a flat note? How are or they going like, to wrap this up? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, how are they going? I was like, oh, okay, we got like twenty minutes left. We're fine. <laughs> was it when he was in the hospital bed and he refuses the the gold shield? That's where I thought they were going to end. So I was like, oh, I hope they, I hope they keep going. You know, I thought, uh, yeah, I thought they were going to end. I didn't know what they were going to do. I didn't know if they were going to continue off of that opening scene. Right. I thought I thought for a moment that they were going to end yeah. right where they started and they weren't going to continue past, you know, that that opening scene where he's in the hospital after getting shot. Um, I didn't think they were going to elaborate on that at the end of the movie as well. I'm glad they did, though. Yeah, I didn't know the story of of the actual Frank Serpico, really. Apparently, this movie is really uh, true to the, the story. Is um, it? Because well, he actually got to like. uh Consult. consult on the movie um oh cool there's actually there's another great there's there's a documentary that came out a couple of years ago just called frank serpico and I'm, I'm gonna watch it like soon after this at some point uh it looks great he is a really funny person uh really just direct and he's very frank mm-hmm. uh two for two <laughs> <laughs> he even has this line where he like 
he's talking to the director. I think it's Lumet and Lumet. And uh, they like wanted to add a scene in. And he's like, why? That didn't happen in my life. He's like, well, yeah, but you know, the director's like, yeah, it's, it's in my movie. It's part of my movie. He's like, okay, well, you can put that scene in for the movie of your life. It's my fucking life. You're not putting it in there. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen. He's very particular. I think that's movie. Matt's problem with the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think... His life is more interesting than most lives that we lead, but does not make a great movie, in my personal opinion. That's that's my sort of... I don't have a good gauge of how accurate this film was. If if you're saying it is a very accurate film to his life and he consulted on it... I don't um, either. I don't know how much liberty they took, if any. Mm. You know? I suspect they didn't take a ton, just based on the fact that like the structure of the film is sort of baffling. Um, and that, you know, that, uh, uh, anecdote you just told is like that, that sort of confirms something that I, I already was struggling with. Not to cut you off. Um, no, I was just going to trail off. <laughs> Did you watch interviews with, uh, Frank Serpico? Not full ones. No. But did you, did you see him at Talking? all? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking. Cause I haven't seen anything from him in like the real him. How did did you get a gauge of how well um, Al Pacino played Frank Serpico? From like the quick little snippets I saw, of Frank Serpico like real close. He, real he was close. real good. Like they they look alike. They kind of talk alike. They're very like hey oh like kind of abrasive <laughs> and like but jovial at the same time. Yeah. and just like here's how things work. That kind of thing, you know. Because I liked his character or his perf- portrayal of Frank Serpico. I guess, and that's what I'm trying to figure out. Because I mean, yeah. It, it was fun, especially in the beginning of the movie. I mean, he had a line for everything like we were commenting on when we were watching it. We were talking about and I still find it true, you know, a day later thinking about it, you know, um, that this movie and the way that they portray the main character is like, here's our hero. Right. It's very much like Rocky, the way they did the same thing. Like mm. he wears <laughs> probably not <laughs> relevant, but he wears hats tilted off the side, big goofy <laughs> hats. But then he's like walking down the street and everyone knows his name and they're like, yo, Serpico, hey, Paco, what's up? He's like, hey, oh, and like, (laughs) you know, like stopping and joking and like tussling people's, you know, hair and then like, oh, what, you got a dog right here? I'll buy the dog uh, to show that he's kind of a sweet, sensitive guy. He's really into animals, just like Rocky. Yeah, what, he had a parrot, he had a mouse, he had a dog. He had a hamster. A hamster? Did he have a hamster? They show a hamster wheel moving in his mm. apartment at one point. Oh, I, I think I might remember that, actually. I thought that was the mouse. Oh, it could have been it the It might have been the mouse. Yeah. I remember the hamster. Well, I remember the wheel, at least. But he was, he's like, a, they show his soft side by, like, by having mm. him with these, like, pets. And they do this. But this is all to say, like, I love, um, yeah, that decline. Like, the, the way he starts off really hopeful and, and, and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and, like, I'm going to be a cop now. This is great. And he's like loving everybody. And they're like, Oh, you got a uniform. That's great. And he's, you know, doing the, he's doing a really good job of being a police officer. And then just over time is like the, the movie's yeah. just throwing him all these curveballs and like beating him down and beating him down by the point that he's, he gets to that, that huge crazy moment in the, uh, the police station, which is one of my favorite scenes, in the whole movie where he grabs that, like, uh, that mafioso, and he like he books him, he brings him in, and the dude's like sitting there, like while he's like getting the paperwork ready, whatever. He's Cassaro? just sitting there. He's what's up? I think his name was Cassaro. Yeah, yeah. He's just sitting around, laughing it up, chuckling it up with all the uh, the other police officers because obviously they're in on the take from him. Uh, they're getting kickbacks and they're letting him slide. 
Yeah, they were and all like laughing and talking together. Yeah, like, do you believe this fucking guy bringing me in? Like, he doesn't he doesn't know how things work around here. And then he comes in and he's just like, all right, all right I need to get a stand up and uh, process you. And they're all giving him pushback. And he just freaks out because it's like this moment where all of his frustration, all of his anger and all of his, you know, all the bullshit that's been thrown at him is like coming to a head. And we're just like, fuck this. And he like grabs him and just throws him around the entire room, like kicking his legs out and throwing the money out of his pockets and like throwing him pulling into the his cage. pants down. Yeah, pulling shit. his fucking pants down. <laughs> He's like, get the fuck, get the fuck into that. But you know, the cage right now and locks it up and walks out. There's money strewn everywhere. There's paper strewn everywhere. And everyone's just staring at him. He's like, what? <laughs> yeah. He was starting to lose it towards the end there. Yeah. I actually thought, it was I felt kind of conflicted about because he's like, you know, the hero of the story. And also but also he was like getting real, real upset. And like, I get it, you know, the pressure that he's under and whatnot. But he's like screaming at Lori and stuff like that. And I was like, you're not handling this well, dude. But I understand why. Clearly, I mean, you're under the threat of death. And it's been years at this point that you've been trying to get out of this situation. Yeah. Um, but uh, still, the but I, I'm saying I appreciate that. You know, it's a it's a complex situation and it was a complex character obviously because it's real person that he's trying to play yeah i love that 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 decline and i love the i don't know the fact that like it, it ends on a weirdly like bittersweet note you know how technically he won like he he got the word out and he he got an investigation started and he got like commissions created to oversee the police department independently, which didn't exist before him. But then at the end of the day, he's like, I can't keep, I can't even live here anymore. Like I'm going to get killed by somebody. Even after the fact, he like left and went to Switzerland and he was still getting like death threats. And he was still people, even to this day in the police force will look back and like Serpico, fuck that guy. You know, he he doesn't know how to like treat his own. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the saying, right? You win the, win the war, but you lost a lot along the way. Something like that. Is that a saying? I don't know. Are we just making up sayings now? No, I'm pretty I sure I've heard, heard that. It could be one. I never heard it. <laughs> I probably botched it or like have a couple of I know the words classic in the wrong places. From, uh, <laughs> from Super Shredder in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. You may have won the battle, but you did not win the war, which is, I'm sure, from something else. But that's how I know it, because I'm a child. I don't think that applies in this situation. No? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It still applies. He won that battle, but the war of police corruption and brutality is still happening. Was it a battle? Because it was long-lasting. It was a long battle. It was just a long battle. The a war is still... Battle being fought right now i guess so i mean look at black lives matter and colin kaepernick and has did i also wanted to mention this and you guys might not feel the same but i f- i feel like every movie that it, from the 70s in new york there's always just running fire hydrants in the streets with children playing in them at any given time <laughs> i don't think i would ever want to live in new york between Really, in any time up to nineteen ninety eight, maybe. Sure, that sounds like a good time. Because like any time before that, it's like, th- yeah, there's like it's there's rough fire hydrants, you know, being blasted out in the street. People are just like fucking everywhere on every corner, just like I don't know, doing what the fuck ever. And there's like litter on the streets everywhere. Everything's oh, unlike dirty. today in New York City. <laughs> 
it, it's a lot cleaner nowadays. Yeah, I guess it is, but still. I mean, like, you've, you ever see like movies where someone's like walking down the street and there's like a trash tornado that goes by? <laughs> a trash tornado? I don't think I've seen that. Yeah, like how the wind hits like the corner of two buildings and like kicks up this like weird little like <laughs> dust devil of just trash. Everything's grimy and has like a thick layer of film mm. over it, you know? I mean, you still get that urine smell in New York, but it's just not, it's it's much cleaner. There isn't like an entire street full of like porno shops and like (laughs) (laughs) strip clubs and stuff anymore. It's not, I mean, you ever hear that like, oh man, to be in New York in the 90s, like that's a place I don't want to be really. It seems cool. It's great fodder for movies and and period pieces, but I don't don't think I'd ever want to live there at that time. Yeah, I mean, my father grew up, you know, in New York. Didn't you get mugged a bunch? You did get mugged. <laughs> yeah, he hates it. I always, because I mean, I grew up watching like 90s and early 2000s films about New York City. And I was like, oh, yeah, man, I always want to go. Like, I want to go to New York City. Like, it's 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 the place to go. And my dad never wanted to go there because yeah, he grew up in the in the grimy part. <laughs> he didn't want to go back there is what it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah good on him. It's a trash city. <laughs> I want to go there now, though. You still don't like it now, Matt? No, fuck New York. Yeah, you don't like cities in general, though. No, I don't. Yeah, I want to graduate from the kid brother Boston. Well, really, we're older, but we're like lamer and smaller. I want to go to like the younger, bigger, crazier version of Boston. Being New York, New York. Yeah, I want to live in New York at some point. One of the guys at our work actually moved here from New York, um, and he always complains about how everything closes. Yeah, (laughs) early or early for him. Yeah, in New York, we can get like McDonald's delivered to you at like three in the morning. <laughs> you can get anything at three a.m., man. Yeah, it's New York City. Get a weed delivery by a guy in a bike, just showing up two in the morning. Yo, <laughs> four twenty in the morning. Hey, get the hell! <laughs> <laughs> Why are you smoking at four twenty? What? What do you mean? That's the time to do it. <laughs> Okay. There's two times in every 24-hour period that you have to smoke. It is the law, Matt. <laughs> they my will head. revoke your pothead card if you don't. They will. Oh. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Snatch it right up. So much I don't know. Call you not a real, not a real stoner, dude. I never got a pothead card, so mm, that's, that's the issue. <laughs> I just never learned the rules. I was never inducted. <laughs> I don't, yeah, you don't want to be a pothead. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with smoking weed, but you don't want to be a pothead. Uh, Speaking of potheads, remember that scene from Serpico, the movie that we were reviewing? <laughs> where the whole police station is smoking up? Yeah. Just the undercover recruits. Yeah, they're just sampling it so they understand the effects. Love how immediately Frank is like, he just like does the whole like... And just like licks it all up and starts lighting and the other guy's like oh, this is some pretty good shit like, <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good day here and then they're like it cuts to them like banging on a vending machine in a fucking <laughs> subway <laughs> now if we can just get this thing to give us our fucking snacks <laughs> kicking it and punching it we need snacks sustenance <laughs> yeah I mean uh, what else what else about the movie who the hell was Sid who was uh, Sid? Wasn't Sid the friend that worked in the mayor's office? No, that was Blair. Was Sid the... No, Blair sorry. was his friend who then... He was his old partner. Sid was someone else. 
Was it the friend that worked in the mayor's office? It may have been. Okay. Does it just say Sid, or do you have some Also, context? did we ever find out who Jewish Max was? What? I don't think so. <laughs> That's the... It's like a throwaway line. We're like, hey, you got this kickback from Jewish Mike or whatever, Jewish Matt. Max. Max. We're like, who the hell? I don't really have anything else to talk about. Um, do you want to go into ratings? Sure. Let's do a segue. Uh, I like that one. <laughs> Segway. So, Tyler, what would you rate this movie since you picked it? I would rate this movie. That's not a segue. That's just that's just doing it. That's I, a hard left turn. I yelled segue. <laughs> you can't get any more segue than that. I stand corrected. <laughs> Hey, we're near the end of the show. Do you know what happens? That's uh, not a segue. No. Uh, <laughs> Why don't we serpico slither our way over? No, that's serpic around a, to a this to next question. The thing we're talking about leading into the next thing we're talking about, not just announcing the next thing we're going to talk about in a vacuum. That's what, that's what a segue. Is. I feel like mine worked, and now we've ruined it. You're sure. <laughs> It was fine. Speaking of working, on a scale of 1 to 10, how did this film work for you guys? Let's start with you, Tyler, since you chose it. That was a segue right there, because he included the thing we were talking about into the thing that we're going to talk about. Speaking of talking, why don't you use your mouth to say what you would rate this a movie? A segue is like a topic crossfade. <laughs> Speaking of rating, I would rate your segues as a 1 out of 10. Speaking of 10, on a scale from 1 to 10, I'll what would it, you rate this movie? I'll give Devin's segue a 3 out of 10 because I found it slightly humorous that you <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> I didn't fuck up. I segued exactly how I intended to. Yeah, you're like Alanis Morissette writing a song about irony and not using irony the entire time, <laughs> which in itself is ironic, which is that what she was doing? Who knows? Yeah, it's a higher level, man. <laughs> Get on it. Uh, I give this movie... <laughs> What would you rate this movie on a scale from whatever to whatever? I want to give it a healthy, solid, uh, 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 a a camera lens and strap <laughs> and the shutter button to the camera. Just a lens and strap and, and shutter button. Yeah. To a fully functioning camera that can take a picture. Well, right. it depends on how big the lens is, to be honest with you. What how kind of lens do you have on this? Is it like telescopic? I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking like... Like 55 millimeter, maybe I'm, 200? I'm thinking 55% of the camera is lens. Ooh. So you get a 5.5? Well, that uh, and the strap okay. and the button that you use to take the picture with. So, so you're giving you were... it a 7.375. Whoa! I actually, in my head before he even started the <laughs> fake one, a 7.5. <laughs> <laughs> Rock I solid. like that you can interpret my weird ass <laughs> well you know I feel like I enjoyed it a little bit more than Tyler yeah mm. I'm gonna give it uh, a 7.6 so okay real quick before you do yeah I, I want to hear why he gave it a shutter button a lens and a strap I'll just I'll just real quickly go through mine then you do your you, your, you, you do it Tyler you do your prices say, right one say, up me by one say your thing <laughs> and then I'll tell you why I like it just a little bit more uh, the reason that I liked it a lot um, and the reason that it felt so like such a fast two hours to me where I was just engaged the entire time was just I personally really love 
Frank Serpico, the person and uh, his character and what he was doing, like and what he stood for, his whole motivation. If you like, marry, if you like him so much, why don't you marry him? Ooh, ooh. you botched that. Yeah. yeah, I really botched it. So I, really I don't just really boofed it. <laughs> <laughs> Used the term "biff" the other day. It's not a real term, but I like it. I like it too. Makes no, me think a real of term. You biffed it. Is it? Yeah. Okay. That's a real one. Okay. Boof is the fake Brooklyn Nine Nine <laughs> one. Oh, I boofed it. <laughs> yeah, there, I really connect with Frank Serpico and his like. <laughs> I do it myself with really dumb, mundane hills you should not be dying on ways where I'm like, this isn't right. We should be using a. <laughs> five point you know <laughs> pencil not a two point you know like i i do, do that myself in certain ways into a ridiculous degree uh and so i think i connect with him where he's like this isn't right why are we doing it this way but this was I mean, a hill worth dying on yes his was a real fight that should have been fought and for a good purpose and he actually was in danger and actually put something on the line for the greater good. Whether or not that was his original intention, that's what he ended up doing. Yeah, there's something really that I can I connect with with that. Just like, you know, like I love like superheroes and stuff, as juvenile as they are, but like in particular Captain America, you know? It's that same kind of like in Civil War, you know, you'd think like, oh, Captain America is going to go with the government and Tony Stark's going to do whatever the fuck he wants. No, it's the other way around because, you know, Cap was all about the American spirit in people, not the American government. And he's like, you need to stand up for what's right. That scene, like I read that, if anyone, any nerds out there who's listening, who knows what I'm talking about in Civil War, the comic series, is there's a there's a scene where Peter Parker's having this like crisis of faith and he's like, do I stick with my father figure, Tony Stark, who's doing some shit that I really don't agree with now that I've seen the true horrors of registration, or do I go with Captain America and Cap just stands there and he gives this whole impassioned speech about like everyone you know and love is wrong and you know it and you're right. Like you have to stand up and tell everybody like, no, you're wrong. Like I, I know what you're doing is wrong. You know it. You know, you gotta, you gotta like stand up for, for your core beliefs because who else will if you don't. And it like made me tear up. There's something, yeah, there's something primal with that. And uh, Frank Serpico's that for me, you know. I feel like we just found some origins on Tyler's behavior. Maybe. I don't. Maybe. <laughs> Stand my ground. I'm right. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is like. What's your problem, Matt? You, you, you got to take that <laughs> philosophy and apply it to the situation that you're in and modify it because you can't be like, everyone's wrong and I'm right when you're actually wrong and you're just a crazy person, <laughs> you know? Well, anyways, are we moving on to me now? Yeah. Oh my God. That was a segue. I love that Matt, <laughs> Matt felt it. Anyways, are you done? <laughs> I got my point today. <laughs> yeah, I, I give it a seven. I am six. done. It, it was a good movie. You literally just won. You won up by a tenth yeah. of a point. It's an important tenth. To be uh, fair, Bob, I thought I, I vote one thousand and one dollars. <laughs> hey, yeah, that I mean, always you called it. You said he was going to price his right. You he, that he did. always works. Well, that's no, how you that. win. Okay. And I won the rating. Uh, depending on what Matt gives, no, he's well, always going to go lower. Why? So why do you like it one tenth more yeah. than me? 
te- what I more than that, I'm interested in what that one tenth of a point represents. Well, to be clear, I had seven point six in my mind before Tyler gave his rating. Sure. So that was I don't believe it at I was all. But say, go Matt on. doesn't believe you. <laughs> oh, you don't believe me? Well, <laughs> it's true. I will take a polygraph. Devin, I believe you. <laughs> Thank you, Tyler. Devin's an honest person. I am an honest person. Why would I lie? I don't know. <laughs> See, there's no reason. You have no you have no motive, man. You have no motive. That doesn't mean you're not guilty. No, you have no motive in the case against me. Oh, I see what you're saying. We so, on the same page? Yes. Okay. I give it a 7.6. It was a fun movie. Really enjoyed it. Like Tyler was saying, short two hours. Uh, I didn't feel like it was dragging on at all. I really enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed the complexity of it. And uh, I, unlike Matt, I didn't mind the parts of the film that weren't due to the overarching plot. I like messy movies if they're entertaining all the way through. It doesn't really need to be like super yeah. cohesive. It's about entertainment. Yeah. And I found it entertaining. I was entertained. Yeah. I was entertained from a scale of 1 to 10, 7.6. See, Matt, 76% of the time. 70%, 76% entertainment value. <laughs> That's what I was. See, Matt, Devin and I live more fruitful, happy lives because we go by pure entertainment and how we enjoy things. You're always digging for something deeper and more meaningful. and Not always. We're about been... the enjoyment, the experience of the film. I just, uh, I just like screened our Chinatown episode today before I uploaded it. Mm-hmm. So I know for a fact that I went off on how Chinatown was my highest rated one so far because it managed to function on both an entertainment and artistic level. So I enjoy entertainment. Um, but like, I also don't think that's like, we all pick the movies for the reasons we pick them. Right. So like, I don't think we have any hard and fast rules. The reason I pick the movies I pick is because I think that they're like, you know, they're pieces of art that I should have experienced, but have not. Um, so like, I think, just judging a movie these movies in particular on an entertainment just an entertainment level to me feels like uh, uh, an injustice like i should be doing more and you know what like frank serpico i cannot let that go un, un, un unchallenged <laughs> i am fighting the corruption of the rating system i feel like we give our ratings based off of different criteria which i think is valuable well, I mean, I actually feel like we we all are basing our numbers in our uh, uh, our ratings off of enjoyment. I just think his source of enjoyment is different from ours, which isn't a bad thing. It's just different. Mm, mm. I'm a. It's a different kind of enjoyment. Because I feel like definitely. you're not getting the enjoyment out of a movie that feels muddled and doesn't have, you know, what you consider like well, a, so- a cohesive. Yeah, hot let, story. Let, let me just like do like so. I, I'm giving it a five which is we defined take it or leave it. Yeah. Um, I thought these two hours were very long. I was looking at my my phone constantly to check the time. Very boring. Did not enjoy it. And that's not... So that's not even to do... I mean, it might be because of the muddled plot, but I'm saying purely on an entertainment like level, I was not entertained. I was bored. I did not feel like 
there was there was not like a driving force that that kept me sort of hooked in hmm. uh it just felt like random things happening to this guy you don't feel so like so if you were to be watching a movie and you're looking for that driving force and you're looking for that theme i do, to be clear i really enjoy um I'm just, I'm just, my question is if you're looking for that theme, uh, in a movie and you find it early on, does it like, are you satisfied knowing that like you can now predict the end of the movie or like, like when things start falling into place, you're like, yep, got it. Yep. Got like, is that more enjoyable for you or is it more enjoyable when like, well, I guess not like when, when you don't know what's going to happen next and you don't feel there's like a connecting theme. I like it when there's an arc, but that it, it that it also subverts my expectations, and I think that is possible. So, like, like, like so do you have if, an example of a movie like that? Yes, as I, I do actually. Uh, so, if we want to, so I'm going to take all of the art out of it, right? Yeah. We're just going to talk entertainment. Okay. Yeah. I thought um, Avengers: Infinity War was really well done. Every scene there was ten- tension propelling you into the next scene. You always felt like there was something happening, um, and and the film was structured around one character's arc. Thanos had a desire, every and that propelled everything else in the film. And it was about watching Thanos do his thing, and it was entertaining, but it was also subversive because, in some ways, the film was structured not in some ways the film was structured around the antagonist, which was really cool. By the way, super cool, super interesting really thing to do. A curve, like I, that was a curveball thrown to me. I did not unexpected. That. Loved it. Every scene, I never felt bored in that movie. Um, I'm I, with you. I can't say that here. Like, I don't feel like Frank Serpico as a character. So, like again, Frank Serpico as a man is a fucking hero <laughs> who lived a much more interesting life than I've lived, and I totally understand why people thought his life would make a good movie. I do think you have to make some artistic choices uh, because lives do not translate. Like you cannot condense years of a human being's complicated life into a two hour movie and not make some changes to make that movie readable. Um, And that was my issue with it was that it was too much Frank Serpico, the man's life and not enough Frank Serpico, the character with a story that is spiritually the same as the man, but uh, changes things in order to better tell that story in the time allotted. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like that's kind of where we differ. Where like if I were to watch a movie that's supposed to be based off a person, so um, for instance, um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Like you mm. take that movie, I loved it. It was a really fun movie but I know that there were like inconsistencies in that movie compared to uh, Freddie Mercury's real life, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And they left some like big shit out. And, you know, does that make it a better movie? Like probably as just a a piece of film that's like, here's a one hour story. We're going to tell you the one hour version of Freddie Mercury, you know? So I like I can I can see where you're coming from, and I and I I agree on some level because sometimes sometimes that really does like you need that in a movie like uh, take Suicide Squad like what the fuck what was anybody doing for any reason right. at all like it didn't really I couldn't follow any of it and they're just trying to be entertaining almost like a long music video yeah um but then you you know but 
looking at um, at Bohemian Rhapsody, as much as I liked it, I would watch Serpico any day over that movie just because Serpico felt genuine and gritty and muddled and confusing, kind of like he felt throughout the movie, where Bohemian Rhapsody, like, I've never met a person. I mean, I'm sure they exist. I'm sure they're out there. You know, like, we're talking about, fan, like, larger than life kind of people. But, like, I don't feel like there's a person out there who's like, I know what I'm going to be and I'm going to do it. And then, like, whatever thing is thrown their way, they're like, that's okay. I know I'm going to be a rock star. Knowing full well, like, you know that the, 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 you know that the chances of you being a rock star are astronomical. There, there are no doubts throughout your whole time. And, like, oh, did you, yeah. like, did these people really come up to you and go, like, all right, like, you're going to be a rock star, but you need to make some changes. And he's <laughs> like, I don't do changes, you know, like yeah. if it yeah. feels forced and it feels theatrical and I don't feel like I'm watching a person's life. I feel like I'm watching a movie character written by somebody, well, even though they existed. Those yeah. people fall into one of two categories. Either they do become a rock star, in which case it's a crazy, like cool, there, larger than life story. Or there's a they, biopic about it later. And there's a biopic <laughs> yeah. or well, they gotta, don't become rock stars and they've just been delusional for their entire life. <laughs> I mean, you know, look at look at all like the the people who are like cut out of American Idol in the very beginning, where they're like, "I yeah. know I'm going to be a." St-. They're the people who think that they're is Freddie a Mercury. great example. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone my whole life has told me that I'm amazing, and I know I'm amazing. I don't need training, and I, I don't need you to tell me that I'm good. You just don't get it. Yeah, I'm I'm honestly, and and I so like because they be, saw too many biopics. <laughs> <laughs> to be perfectly clear, like I think this is my personal bias, yeah. and I think it says a lot about me, but like. I'm kind of at a point in my life where I don't even see the value in something being a real story anymore. Really? Um, I would rat cause like if somebody made a movie about a fictional character that in my opinion was a more effective story um, and, and sort of emotionally grabbed me better uh, like police corruption was and is real. And so a story, even fictional, about police corruption can communicate those sort of... Um, like, the reason that we use art, if I go super broad here, <laughs> super, it. super broad. Wind it out, bro. The reason Dude, that I think that we like use that. art is because we're trying to say something that we can't just say with, a, like, a declarative English sentence, right? Like, if, if I could just say to you, police corruption is bad... And that would communicate the the emotional truth to you. Then I would just say it, but I can't say that, right? Because it, it, even if you intellectually understand it, you might not understand it emotionally. So we have to create art pieces so that you will empathically glom onto a character and then feel the 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 the, the sort of like corruptive nature of police, you know corruption that's and I, a bad sentence i do see that i know i see what you're saying and i understand the value of that me personally i uh hey d what's up <laughs> me personally i feel like because when when someone's trying to like tell you like police corruption's bad let me weave you a tale that shows you why i inherently go like but this is biased this is just you going i feel like police corruption's bad let me weave you a fake story to make you feel the way like it, it like that's what trump does like he's not telling you any truths he's just going like immigration's bad right they're bad we're bringing in bad people so let's bring out the bad like you know let's wall off the bad people it's that kind of like who's this storyteller then like let me look up the storyteller what does he believe in why is he telling me this sure. you know I, I, when I, i'm just watching a story of things that were like this 
happens, you know, like they're not trying to weave you a tale. They're telling you what happened from, you know, from start to finish. Then it's up to you to go like, what do I take out of it? Do, do, do I look at that and go like Frank Serpico was a crazy person who put himself in the line of danger for no reason, you know, like just because he was obsessed about, I don't know, being a Just cop. take the money, man. Or do you watch it and go like, I feel like police corruption is a real issue that really needs to be looked at and worked on, you know, like I feel then it's up to you and you actually get the real truth and not like, here's what I feel the director, the screenwriter, whoever, sure. you know. And that's what I like. It's totally a personal thing. Yeah. I, I just like I see based on a true story and my personal reaction is just to think like, ah, it's just going to be filled with like bullshit that I don't care about that gets in the way of like <laughs> communicating whatever. The, like, and, you know, this is transgress. I, I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody, but like I don't care about Freddie Mercury's life. I really don't. If Freddie's Mercury, if Freddie <gasps> Mercury's life can sort of communicate some truth to me. I'm interested in it then as a vehicle for that truth. But like, I don't care about Freddie Mercury. Mercury. I just don't, <laughs> right? Like, I, I don't care. Because you don't care about musicians or him in particular, or you don't like Queen or... Because I feel like you, because wouldn't, I don't you wouldn't watch a documentary on uh, on Queen. Uh, No, probably not. No, I don't care. I mean, you have to have. I don't care. He's a musician. Why do I? I don't care. You have to have relative have an interesting ride significance, right? Who fucking so, cares? Is it gonna? Is it gonna? Is it gonna? Anyone me? who is a human being that goes like, man, what is it like to be a rock star and to not be one like me right now? You know, like I think that's intrinsically interesting. <laughs> I like I like documentaries that leave me with more information than I had before, or tell a story about a person that leaves me sort of contemplating life in a different way than I did before. Uh, rock stars to me, like that's voyeurism at that point. I'm just watching cause they had a crazy ride and I'm like, I'm just not interested in that. And that's personal, right? I'm not, I don't judge anybody that enjoys that. We all need entertainment. It's just not how I get my entertainment. I mean, I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody. Was it just about like Freddie Mercury and his life or was it about like his impact in the world and the industry? It's really just about him. Mm. Um, yeah, I, like I tend to get really wrapped up in the moment of the movies and not like yeah, I'm the same way. The broader sense of what they're trying to say, and I feel like like I even lose dialogue in movies because I'm watching like how it's filmed and how the actors are like gesticulating and how the lighting is, you know, and it's like wow, this, the scene's really grabbing me, and I'm not thinking about what is the scene trying to tell me in the larger tapestry of this movie, which is part of the larger tapestry of life. I'm just watching the scene and being entertained by it for it's, you know, moment to moment value. You know? I think that's a totally valid, totally valuable way to. And yours is too. It's just, it's just yeah. different. Yeah. It's just different, uh, different strokes for different folks. So that's a good saying. We, <laughs> we, should, we should get a, a t-shirt made. Syndication, yeah. different strokes, <laughs> stroke those folks. Cause Matt just came up with that on the spot. Wow. <laughs> that's a good saying. So Matt, you gave it a five. You said five. Yeah. You gave it a 7.5 Tyler. Yeah. And I gave it a 7.6. Do you guys know what the real rating? Well, real, the IMDB rating of the movie was nine out of 10. Was it? That's not well, what I'm it, not IMDb, but like Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes is 90%. Yeah. That's consumer driven, right? 
does IMDb? No, Rotten Tomatoes is it's, uh, cri- it's critic. It's well, they do critic. both. Is it critic? What's yeah. IMDb? Is IMDb critic? No, that's, that's consumer driven. That's consumer driven. Consumer driven was seven point eight. Rotten Tomatoes was ninety. Just for anyone's curious. I tend not to listen to popular <laughs> votes and popular opinion. Mob rule, Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> Even I'm, though this one uh, hewed closer to your personal rating. Yeah. Well, just because, you know, what, I, th- I think country is still the most popular music in America. What? Yeah. That can't, that can't be, be right. It, it was like five years ago when I checked. I don't believe that. <laughs> it's like that in mumble rap today is the biggest thing in the world. Like, why is Post Malone so popular? You oh, think right. a majority yeah. of people in America listen to mumble rap? It's either that or like stadium country. They're like the most popular stuff. Look up the top 40. It's all garbage. You know, I don't <laughs> I don't listen to it. You know, like Transformers is humongous. They're awful movies. <laughs> to be fair. Marvel. Like as much f- as I enjoy Marvel movies, they're not great movies. They're really like just stupid fun action some of them they're very technically well made sure that's that's the insidious part about because i got the money (laughs) yeah is that they they get competent directors um they're not bad films but they're stupid you know like they're entertainment i i don't even think they're stupid i think they do intelligent things make intelligent risks or take intelligent risks but um their entertainment. There's there is no artistic value there. My my point is I don't feel like everybody's stupid and I'm smart. I feel like I don't listen to popular opinion because, you know, my my <laughs> tastes don't jive with everybody else. It's like you're not gonna see David Lynch up yeah. there on the billboards with with fucking, you know, the Russo brothers for like how much money they grossed this year or whatever. Yeah. You know. Speaking of which, what do you think about David Lynch, by the way, being such a narrative driven guy i love david lynch actually do you yeah i'm surprised there's a lot of tangents in his in his stuff but a lot of all, stuff that you could consider like fat but they're all tangents that i think have value i think so i didn't think you would no so like you know we've we've actually hit on this like the last several episodes in a, in a row is that like you know there's there's the the plot value uh, of something and there's the thematic value of something as long as it serves one of those two functions i have no issue with something it's like i don't care if it doesn't serve the plot as long as it's serving the theme or or characterization or something i just need it to have a purpose my issue is when like there's a girlfriend who just serves no purpose well yeah, i think we both agree she did serve a purpose you just didn't like that it was a person doing it I'm saying that, like, yeah, I think every character you add makes makes a film harder to follow. Um, so you easily could have just, I mean, he was already, like, he was the one that moved to Brooklyn or wherever he moved. He was the one that was, like, hanging out, um, you know, like, talking to hippies and buying puppies on the side of the road before <laughs> he ever met Leslie. Um and so, like, I just don't feel like you needed her. I feel like you could have no, gotten... No, that was the moment that... That was the time period they met Leslie. He was walking around, hey, oh, oh, hey. And she was one sure. of the people that he aid at. And she was like, I like what you're selling. And then they started hanging out. And she was like, look at what's going on outside of police culture, you know? I understand. But I'm saying, like, I think you could have made that transition believable without her. And I think it would have made for a cleaner, cleaner film. I, I, I disagree with that one particular part about her not being necessary. But... I do see what you're saying with um, 
just personal tastes about um, cohesiveness where I like a messy, real story that that there's a lot of layers to it that like may seem, you know, extraneous, but I think all kind of fit into Frank Serpico's story. You mm-hmm. know? Sure. Just, you know, different, different tastes. It takes all kinds of fruit to make a fruit cup. Okay. All kinds. That's from Mission Hill. Deep cut. <laughs> hey matt what are you, we doing next week yeah next week um uh, uh partly at the request of my father who is one of the only people to listen to this podcast uh we will be watching deer hunter mm, deer hunter i've always wanted to see that one when did that come out 70s Those early 80s something like that it's from that time period, and it's got who is it? Stallone? I think it's Stallone. I want. I thought Al Pacino was in it. Oh, maybe it is Pacino. That'd be nice if we did another connective tissue. That'd that be would be crazy. <laughs> Are they? Uh, if they were both in it, that'd be amazing. Um, uh, it's De Niro and Walken. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. No. Nobody. Nobody. Still two big names together, but yeah, not not the two we're thinking. And it was 1978. 78. Ooh, 70s called it. Uh, what do you What do you know about this movie? Um, do you guys know anything? I don't want to. Well, I know that it. I I know next to nothing. This is probably the least I've ever known about a film. I thought you didn't know anything about Serpico. Yeah, but nothing happened in Serpico, so it was kind of a moot point. Ooh. Tons of shit happened Ooh. in Serpico. Um, <laughs> uh, I know that. I think he's like a Vietnam veteran. I think that's that's like I know Vietnam is like a backdrop or something. More than I know. Yeah. I know the title. It's a big movie that people have been talking about for a long, long time. That's it. I think there's violence. I think there's Ooh. violence in this film. I feel like if De Niro and Walken are in it, it's got to be a really violent movie, right? <laughs> Unless it's like a comedy that's like, look at these two tough guys being not tough guys. Being you know? wacky. Yeah, like meet, meet the Parents, where it's like, De Niro, as a father who doesn't <gasps> like his son, or stepson. What? <laughs> Son-in-law. Um, but yeah, my my dad is... is infamously picky about films um and uh this i asked him when he was visiting not that long ago what his favorite film was and he said deer hunter so i've never seen it i figured this was a good opportunity i think that was one of my dad's favorites too uh speaking of which if you have a good film that you think you should we should watch uh you can email us at syndication at gmail.com oh yeah do that uh one of these days i will check that email uh, I have it, and I've checked it, and we have not gotten any emails. <laughs> <laughs> not surprise me. Um, like I say about most most movies that we decide to watch, uh, I know nothing about this film. I've oh, never even heard the title. My God, imagine my surprise. <gasps> <laughs> Astonished. You don't know anything about the movie we're going to do? I've never even heard of it. <laughs> I feel like this whole podcast. Never even, I've never like, even heard of Deer Hunter. This no. is like I we I, I know have, I do this rant every time, <laughs> and I know that because every time before we record this, I listen to the one that Tyler sent me to release for the next Monday, and like, why are I'm, you even surprised? <laughs> every time I'm like, how have you never even heard no, it's okay. of this name? I love it. I go in blind <laughs> and I enjoy it. Um, I know the band Deer Hunter, but I'm assuming this is not related because they formed years after. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure it is related. I'm sure it's an homage to this movie. Yeah, it could be. Is deer, is the movie the first use of the word deer hunter in popular culture, Did, I guess? Do you like the band Save Ferris? I don't know what that is. Uh, 
Well, that blows up my whole joke. Aha! <laughs> it's based off a movie you probably also never heard of. I've also never heard of that movie because I've never heard of the band. Well, the, the movie Ferris is Bueller's. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, I have heard of that movie. Have you seen it? Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You don't, you don't sound so sure. Say Ferris is a big part of the movie. No, I've seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, Save Ferris. Yes, I do recall. Mm. Loosely. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it once years ago. It, it, uh, it was okay. Did you hear that he's a real righteous dude? Woo! Sir Pico was a movie about a guy undercover. Cover. He wore lots of disguises, had long hair, and looked greasy. Little greasy. And he also liked to do the right thing and stand up for justice and whistle blow. He blew that whistle. That whistle. Oh, yeah. Al Pacino's mustache is not great. Like it's scraggly? Just like before he grew the beard, I was just like, mm. he's got to have a cop stash, though. Mm. <laughs> By the way, the greasy remark has nothing to do with Italians. I realize that there's a connection there oh, that has some history. Oh my god! He particularly we looked sweaty and angry. Are going to cut that? Most of the movie. So. <laughs> god, I can't cut it. It's part of the song. It would sound weird. It's part but of the song too. <laughs> now you can't cut it. Just want to say that was unintentional racism. Unintentional <laughs> racism. It's just because it's what he believes. 